need to come quite close. Hang on, let me just move this this way a bit. The golden microphone. Yeah, okay. see? That's what we're looking for. One, two, one, two. Yeah, don't be a c***, no. Hi, my name's Emily Chadbourne. And I'm Rochelle Fisher. And we're a couple of Xennials turning 40! Xennials are an often forgotten generation, sandwiched between the Gen X and the Millennials. Not quite one, but not quite the other either. We were brought up on Disney princesses, roller skates and Game Boys. Left to flounder through the grunge era of the 1990s and expected to catch up with tech life in the noughties, how prepared was the Xennial woman for the delights and disappointments of the current day? To celebrate our birthdays, Em and I decided to launch our own mini-series dedicated solely to issues that so many Xennial women face today. From egg freezing to ageing to being single, we have interviewed some amazing Xennials with stories to share. Enjoy, Enjoy this episode! We're going to do a podcast together. My friend Rochelle. Great. You in? Why not? Why not indeed? What else are you doing as you turn 40? Sat at home, darning my socks, looking <laughs> after my 500 cats. Yeah, nice. And being single. Yeah, yeah, fun. I mean, isn't that how we thought life was going to work out? In my sort of relentless pursuit of understanding myself as a 40-year-old woman, I'm still 39, can I just say? Okay, don't rub it in. All right. <laughs> You're well into 40. <laughs> You're only a couple of weeks into 40. One week? One week into 40. Seven days. In my relentless pursuit to try and better understand the next transition of my life, I think is probably the best way to describe it, I realised that there really weren't many podcasts out there for Xennial women. And that's when I approached you and was like, do you want to do a podcast with me about being 40 and everything that that entails? And because you actually don't have any cats and you've never <laughs> done anything in your life, you graciously said that you do this project with me so thank you very much no you're welcome um what does 40 mean to you what does 40 mean to me i wouldn't say getting old i'd more say it just means that i really know who i am yeah that's fair i definitely feel like i know who i am more than i ever have yeah do um, you worry about getting old though i don't worry about getting old i worry Worry's the wrong word, but I think a lot more about death. Yes. Yeah. Because my mum passed away when she was 54. And I often think when she was 40 and going to Ibiza to celebrate a 40th birthday, rock on mum, what would she have done differently if she knew she only had 14 years left on this planet? So death is a big thing for me. Getting old? Botox will fix that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So I had a look around the internet and I just like Googled what happens when you turn 40. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> With your night little creams on and your white gloves. Yeah, totally. Don't let me go old and wrinkly. Desperately trying to preserve myself. <laughs> so I found this article which both delighted and shocked me. It's called Five Brutally Honest Things Every Woman Turning 40 Should Know. You haven't read this article, so I'm going to tell you the five things as a recently turned 40 year old woman 
that you should know. Okay. Do I need some Valium before I listen to it? Basically, it's like scaremongering at its best. Okay, so here's the first it. brutal truth. Not just a truth, but a brutal <laughs> truth, Richelle. Doom, doom, doom. And the first line of this, it's fucking excellent. The gig is up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go and buy my 10 caps and darn my socks. <laughs> You're no longer going to be able to fly by the seat of your pants, ordering and eating whatever and whenever you wish and still keep your health in check. So this is all about your metabolism changing as you get older. And as much as I would love to poo-poo and rubbish this point, this brutal truth, there's absolute virility. Validity? Validity? <laughs> you can never say that word. <laughs> I've got a Validity. Is that the word? I think so. Okay. It's kind of valid. Yes. Is, valid. We'll use yeah, the word we'll valid. Use, that's a definite word in a dictionary. I've never had to worry about my weight, and I'm very grateful for that. I, like you, am on the shorter <laughs> end of the percentile. <laughs> so I don't necessarily have the same conversation about my body image in terms of weight that I know a lot of other women struggle with. But for me, I've definitely noticed that I eat more. Am I moving my body less? I'd say I'm fitter than I've ever been, mm. but I'm I'm definitely slightly flabbier. And it's not just that, the shape of my body has changed. My hips are in a different place. My bum basically scrapes my knees. And now she's over-exaggerating. Well, obviously a little bit. But my tits are down by my belly button. That's the truth. Little nipple graze every now and then <laughs> as you pull your tights up. Mine are not big enough to be down by my <laughs> knees. So tell me, how do you feel about your body now you are 40? I'm the fittest I've ever been in my life, especially in my 30s. But this past year, and at first I suppose I started blaming it on covid I'm definitely not as toned as I was. I think the thing with being toned as well for me is that that is getting harder to do. Like my skin is different. Skin, my, the skin hangs off my body in a different way. Yeah, I was looking at my kneecaps the other day and I wondered if I could have Botox in my kneecaps because I'm getting this wrinkle. <laughs> me too, <laughs> on the top of my knee. Yeah. So I definitely feel that I am more confident in my body than I've ever been. But I think that comes with the space that I'm in at the moment where I, I just give less of a fuck about what people think. So when I say I'm more comfortable with my body, that's not because my body looks the best that it's ever looked. I just like, you just get to a point, don't you? Where you're like, I cannot keep up this narrative of I'm not allowed to eat a chocolate bar or I've got to do 50 sit-ups every time I eat a bit of cake. I'm just like, I've got other things to do with my life. And sometimes that's sitting down and doing nothing, but that's still preferable. So I definitely feel more confident, but I I definitely went through in my mid to late 30s a kind of grieving process of I can't lose weight as quickly as I could because I used to be able to like put a few kilos on and then, you know, after a good couple of weeks of eating really clean and really healthy, it would come off again. Now if I put a few kilos on, that's a good couple of months to try and get them off again. So I definitely have definitely noticed that my metabolism has changed. My body shape has changed, but I care less about it. I think I'm still going through a battle of some days 
I think, yeah, I'm going to go on a shred and I'm going to lose loads of weight. And then other days I look at myself and I think I actually look really healthy and a lot of people would love to have the figure that I had at the age of 40. And I still do a lot of yoga. I'm very, very flexible. Um, bendy. <laughs> bendy. <laughs> yeah, so I... I have an ongoing battle with myself. Some days I'm very happy and I'm so grateful that my body can still do so much and I cycle a lot. But then other days I look at the tiniest little roll that I've got on my stomach and still wish that I had the flat six pack. Yeah. But equally that flat six pack, I didn't have the healthy mind that I have now. Yes. So my mind is so healthy that I can overcome that tiny little wobble on my stomach. Yeah. I tell you what doesn't help the healthy mind, and it's comments like this, so I'm reading directly from this fucking shitty article. <laughs> it says, this means that you have to focus on reducing your caloric intake. This article is basically saying, when you turn 40, your metabolism is going to slow down. In fact, according to this, your metabolism tends to decelerate by 5% for every decade of life past 40. There we are. A little statistic for you. We're doomed. What this article is basically saying is, therefore, you're going to have to eat less food because you need to maintain the way that you looked in your 30s to be, what, valuable, loved, worthy? What a crock of shit. What, what a crock of shit. Bullshit. All right, next one. Brutal truth number two. It's starting already. The dreaded M word. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Menopause. So we are going to source some excellent experts for this podcast because there are some things which I think both you and I feel like we're kind of uneducated on when it comes to being a zenial woman, i.e. in that weird little generation between gen x and the millennials we're all sort of just turned or about to turn or are turning 40 and perimenopause is one of those things that i don't feel like i have enough education on it's only a word i found out about maybe two years ago i knew about the menopause but i thought that just really affected gray-haired granny women <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna be honest even though my mum went through the menopause quite early i still assumed it would just be something i would deal with at retirement age anyway it turns out that's not true your body begins to prepare from as young as 40 this is a sweeping generalization obviously every human body is completely and totally and utterly different some people have very early menopause some people go through it and don't even notice some people have it really late so we're talking sweeping generalizations we obviously can't account for every human being on the planet according to this article the article of choice for today even though most of us won't go through the menopause until 50 plus, our bodies start changing years before that. Your estrogen levels will start to vary, chemicals in your brain begin to change, and all of that combined with the stresses of daily life can lead to depression. Great. Didn't see that coming, did you? No. And I think an interesting thing is we're both turning 40 and you'd actually brought up the menopause and it was something I'd not even thought about. Like the thought had not even entered my head. And I don't actually know how old my mum was when she went through the menopause. I suspect she did it young, but yeah, it's something that I've not even thought about. And so I do find it a little bit scary that- It's um, really confronting. Especially when people start saying about these hot flushes, I'm scared. 
because my body is going to do something that I can't control. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I actually think more than anything for me, it's the hormone shift. I am so looking forward to the couple of guests that we've already got locked in to talk on this subject because I think the more education that you have, not not so that you can begin to prepare yourself for it, but just so that you can understand what's going on for you internally. But I have been doing some reading and apparently um, as estrogen levels drop, your testosterone levels rise, which is why, and I don't know if you're feeling this, but I'm definitely feeling this already, you just get less tolerant of crap. Mm. And apparently that's the rise in testosterone. And of course, our society here in the West doesn't really tolerate angry women. We don't really like angry women. It's not okay to be an angry woman. Fine to be an angry guy. But I think because there isn't really the space here for us as women to be angry and accepted, it's quite confronting when we feel angry. (laughs) And so I think those kind of things are going to be really interesting for us to discuss in depth as this series continues. I definitely feel like as I am beginning to feel the difference in my cycle, which I'm definitely feeling, my cycle is changing, my body is changing, I can feel my hormones shifting. Because I haven't been on the pill or any type of contraception for years now, I've I've come to really know my body and I can feel that it's doing something slightly different. And I know I'm getting older, I can physically see it, I can definitely physically feel it, and that is reflecting in the cycle that I have. And so I think for me, one of the really confronting things is not having children. And even though I don't have children kind of by choice, kind of not, but also kind of by choice, having the option taken away from me feels very different to choosing not to have them. So there's one thing to be like, I don't want to have children. And then another thing to be like, I didn't want to have children and now I can't have them. Does that make sense? Total sense. So I think that's the overwhelming part of the menopausal journey for me. I think I'll be able to handle the mood swings. And if I'm surrounded by people that can't handle those mood swings, then... You move yourself away from them. I move myself away I from I mean, I've people. had mood, mood swings my entire life, so... Oh, yeah. I mean, I get to the point sometimes as I'm premenstrual where, you know, air offends me, <laughs> you know? And, like, the wind blew and I am angry about it. So I don't think... I mean, hopefully they don't get much worse. I mean, we basically have our own WhatsApp group. I've got my period. I haven't got my period. I'm so angry today. (laughs) What's wrong with me? Your period's coming. I've eaten the fridge. Yeah, Yeah, so there we are. So the menopause, that's coming to us. Great. Bring that one on. Bring that one on. What's brutal truth number three? Because... I, mean, I just ordered two bottles of vodka. <laughs> I don't drink either. Going to just start intravenously <laughs> necking vodka. All right, so brutal truth number three is heart disease. Ah, interesting. It is the leading cause of death among women, full stop. Now, hang on a minute, let me read on because that just sounds like a statement that is unqualified. According to the National Institutes of Health, one in four women in the United States, Ah. we are in, although we are both British, as you can tell by our voices, we are in Melbourne. Uh, I don't think that makes a massive difference, though. Uh, One in four women in the United States dies from heart heart disease. Many researchers 
again, an ambiguous term, just many researchers, think that a drop in estrogen levels during menopause combined with other heart disease risk factors is what causes coronary microvascular disease. You said that so beautifully. Well, I am learning how to read. Oh, thought you were becoming a doctor. <laughs> Not an MD. <laughs> <laughs> That's an ongoing joke that Emily and I will discuss another day. Another time. I'll tell you all about my doctorate. <laughs> Not an MD. That's interesting because my dad died of a heart attack, literally dropped dead in front of my brother and his dad did exactly the same to him. So your granddad? So my granddad dropped dead in front of my dad of a heart attack. So do I worry? Yes, I do. And last year I went through a period of having really, really high blood pressure, which stressed me out even more because then all I kept thinking was I'm going to drop dead of a heart attack. But equally, I'm very, very healthy. So I don't, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't eat a lot of junk food. So why would I die of a heart attack? And even if you do, what are you going to do about it? Well, I wouldn't know about it, would I? Well, you wouldn't, would you? You'd, you'd just be on the floor, then be over. You'd but have to pick me up. <laughs> Shovel you up. And then raid my wardrobe. I would. Yeah. Even, just... be, even before I called the ambulance, <laughs> I'd be in your wardrobe, pilfering. Funnily enough, that's what my dad used to say. If someone drops dead, check their pockets. Oh, then... <laughs> so I'm going to say something that a lot of people are going to be offended by, especially if you're in the UK. Such a northern thing to say. <laughs> yeah, very northern thing to say. Check the pockets and then obviously call the ambulance. Yeah. I feel like, like whatever I'm going to die of, I feel is not necessarily always in my control. Like, like you, I'm going to try and live a healthy life and enjoy balance in that. My mum died of breast cancer when she was 69 and that didn't feel fair. I mean, I'm sure it didn't feel fair when either of your parents died either because they were so young. But it does make you think all of the stress that I put myself under on a day-to-day -day basis, all of the worry, all of the anxiety, all of the fear, all of the doubt, should I have kids? Shouldn't I have kids? Should I stay in that relationship? Why am I single? Am I earning enough money? What does that person think of me? All of that stuff, which weighs so heavy on my shoulders sometimes because I'm a human being. When I die is going to mean fucking nothing. And one of the gifts of my mum dying, and it, sometimes it's quite confronting, I think, when people hear me talk about my mum's death as a gift. And of course, I would prefer my mum was still here. But you know what? She's not. And so I have to grieve that whenever grief comes, because grief isn't just something that you do for a period of time after someone dies. It's something that you become and then live with for the rest of your life. But I feel like I really learnt the beautiful lesson of mortality. You're here in this one incarnation once and it's very possible that your death is already predetermined and the cause of death is predetermined. I don't know if that's true or not, but what I do know is I can't control it either way. And so I'm going to live my life as presently and viscerally 
and enthusiastically as I can while I'm here. And I don't think that really landed for me until my mum died four, well, three and a half years ago, almost four. Yeah, my dad always used to say, when your number's up, your number's up. Mm. Um, and him and my mum, even though they were together, led very different lives. My mum was extremely healthy, never drank, never smoked, well, never drank, you know, the old glass of wine at Christmas. And unfortunately, she died of cancer, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't her fault, where my dad drank, smoked, most of his life, um, you know, had had a triple heart bypass. And so I did have some kind of anger and resentment with that one rather than my mum because my mum, it wasn't her fault. But then, like you, you said that your mum dying was a gift. I always say my mum dying set me free because I wouldn't be here in Australia. I wouldn't have woken up and gone, oh, my God, life is so and I can't swear, just in case my grandma's listening. Oh, sorry, grandma, I've said fuck loads of times already. <laughs> I can't even laugh at that because I would be in so much trouble. Um, yeah, so my mum dying really set me free. I wouldn't be in Australia. I literally woke up and my life had changed forever. And I always remember my brother saying, you grew up overnight. Yeah, my mum dying really set me free and it really made me realise how precious, how beautiful this life is and how fortunate we are just to be here, to exist and be here as a human. Yeah, and especially be here as a human in what we got born into. And I say that when we go into a lockdown and I have probably about an hour or two of being grumpy and then I look at my life and go, I was born in England, I live in Australia, I have a job, I live near the ocean, I have a beautiful life. There's not a bomb flying over my head. If I've got to do five days of lockdown in a 5K, I'm probably in the best 5Ks in, in, the, world. in the world. So I sit there and I'm really, really grateful that I was born British, white. You raise a really interesting point, which is we don't have to deal with any type of racism. No. I've never once had to feel apologetic for the colour of my skin. And as white women, we have been afforded chances that we would not have been afforded otherwise. And that fundamentally is fucking wrong. Sorry, Grandma. And it is absolutely something that needs to change undeniably you and I are women of privilege. And we are speaking this podcast from a place of privilege and a privilege that we are very aware of. I am so fortunate to have been born where I was born. And yes, both of my parents have died, but I always say I had quality over quantity. I had the most mm. beautiful parents. They gave me an amazing upbringing. They taught me what was right and what was wrong. and. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at Theodore now, fast asleep, thinking he has the best life in the Theodore world. Theodore is at the top of the karmic tree, yeah. He also just snored a little bit earlier. I don't know if the microphone picked it up, but I kind of hope it did. He's very cute, except when he's doing it in your ear at two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and then, believe me, not so cute. All right, so brutal truth, the number four. Even Can if I even hear this? I know, it's it's a lot, isn't it? Who wrote this article? I don't know, I mean, some 20-year-old, probably? Someone that thinks now... We're or all a man. A man. We're now all Bridget Jones on our sofa with a bottle of wine singing, yeah. Oh, by, by myself. myself. 
Okay, hit me with number four. Even if you've had 20-20 vision all your life. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even finished the sentence, wait. After turning 40, in brackets, and as the birthdays pile up, close brackets, you might suddenly find yourself with vision-related troubles for the first time. And the reason I'm laughing? Because you're wearing glasses now. Yeah, and yesterday I had the most... Ugh, can't get my words out. had a really bad headache because I thought I forgot to pack my glasses for work. So I went all morning not wearing my glasses, looked in my bag, and they were in there all along. <laughs> That's definitely an old lady thing to do, isn't it? We I can't find my glasses. <laughs> They're on your head, Grandma. Sorry, what? I can't hear you. Yeah, my vision definitely the past even six months, I'd say, is definitely going. And I do, when someone shows me something on a computer, I do have to pull it closer to me. I do That's funny, I have to push everything far away from me. I was reading in bed the other night and I realised that my elbow was sore because it was so straight. And I was like, why is my book so far away from me? And I tried to bring it closer and I was like, oh, I can't see it. I don't know what vision that means because I'm not an optometrist. Ooh. Get some glasses. Oh, then I you look... could look as intelligent as I do. The problem with glasses and my face is that God blessed me with a lot of nose. Oh, please try mine on. <laughs> and when I wear glasses, I tend to look like, you know those joke noses that you get in a shop <laughs> with a little tash attached to it? Please. That's, oh, that's something else we have to look forward to with the menopause facial hair. I, nearly, I can't wait to have a beard, me. I nearly brought that up. <laughs> See? Oh, yeah. Now I'm wearing the glasses. Don't I look like I'm wearing one of those fake joke noses from the shop? Only now, wait for it. Wait for the facial hair to come in with the menopause and I'm basically Roger. I'm my dad. <laughs> look at me. Don't I look like my dad? Imagine me with a beard. <laughs> I'm going to get you a fake beard. I've turned into Roger. Can I have my glasses back? So Actually, I can, see, I can see much better with these on. <laughs> see? Yeah, there we are. We'll have to do a little photo later so everyone can see you with my glasses Maybe on. Maybe that should be the... Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. I've got two pairs. I've got a black pair and a perfect oh, yeah, pair. A black pair will definitely help with the joke <laughs> no situation. <laughs> They're exactly the same. I just got them in two different colours because I couldn't decide which I liked. Okay, and well, I needed them to go with outfits. Isn't that one of the lovely things about being in your 40s, that you can afford to buy more than one pair of glasses? Well, it's because I've got private health, you see. Because, again, I'm in my 40s, so I'm responsible because I might actually need to have an operation at some point. Oh, I haven't done that yet. Um, oh. Um, Oh, brutal truth number five. Would you like my glasses to read brutal truth number five? No, it's fine. I'm just going to lean away from the laptop. At this point in our lives, we're bombarded with worries. We have anxiety about our kids being more independent. Now, I don't have kids, but honestly, if my kids were more independent, I'd be fucking chuffed, wouldn't you? Well, he's not independent, is he? No, I got Theodore because I didn't want a kid. <laughs> and it turns out it's like dogs are babies with fur. Anyway, our parents are needing more support. Well, you don't have that problem. And I moved to the other side of the world from my dad. So <laughs> my sisters are left with him. I'm joking. And it's all topped with concerns about our own health, work and finances. We've got a lot of stress in our lives and we often feel it's just going to keep on coming. I categorically disagree with this, with this brutal truth. I think, look, we don't have kids. So that takes out that level of stress. 
like I said, we don't have the same concerns as maybe some other people do about our parents getting older because I've only got my dad and you don't have yours at all. I think though, my mental health is in a better place than it's ever been. So I don't think I have more stress. I think I choose where my stress goes and I have very high quality problems which means that I don't let stuff that used to bug the shit out of me in my 30s worry me anymore, which gives me more capacity to do things like run my own business, invest my money wisely, think about the things that I really want to dedicate my life to from this moment forward. Now I know, again, very privileged, so not everybody is in that same position, but that's my experience and I can only ever speak from my experience. I don't think I have more stress in my 40s I think I handle stress better in my 40s. I think I've got more courage. Oh, that's a good one. I wish I'd said that. (laughs) Well, I said it because I have this amazing friend who's the life coach. (laughs) (laughs) She sounds swell. Tell me about her. (laughs) Wow, she's a bit annoying sometimes. I've got courage that I didn't have before. So whereas before, if I was in a job that was stressing me out, I would just stay stressed out and stay in something that I didn't really want to be in where now I always sit with if I've ever got a problem I sit down and I say Rochelle you got to the other side of the world you managed to get sponsored within eight months anyone that's British who's moved to Australia will understand that's pretty incredible to just be able to get your permanent residency within eight months of being out here. And so it's all those things that I then just sit and go, if I manage to do that, I can do anything. So just find the courage and move forward. What's next? What's next? What's next? I think you raise a really great point in that I have more reference points now to for me to be able to look back on and be like I did that thing I can do this thing yeah and in my 20s obviously you don't have those reference points in your 20s you're just like I mean I was fresh out of university I was so young and dumb I didn't have any of that sort of groundedness or I didn't know who I was at all in my 20s and really into my 30s I was really struggling in fact I probably knew myself less in my 30s than I did in my 20s I think the point that you make is really a real valid one it's like courage and faith that's the second key to it so courage is I've done this before I know I have this reserve of courage and I can call on it again and faith is all of those times when I didn't know where I was going and I didn't know if it was going to work out and I didn't know if I was going to be okay I actually was okay so other than you my favorite person in the whole world is David Goggins and he always speaks about the cookie jar And when you are in a place of you don't know whether you can move forward and you're fearing something and that little voice on your shoulders saying you can't do it, just dig deep into that cookie jar, find that place of discomfort that you managed to move through before. I've got this. I've got this. Why does he call it the cookie jar? He said that it was something his mum used to say, and he's like, you hold on to this cookie jar and you just dig deep in the cookie and every, jar. And everything you need is in it, basically. Yeah, everything you need in the cookie jar. It's I would like, agree it's, with Goggin. It's a treat. Yeah, yeah, The cookie yeah. jar's a treat. So you, you can't always eat from the cookie jar. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> that sounds this so is, weird. This is going off on a weird <laughs> one, isn't it? So many 
tell me about your cookie jar. <laughs> but when you really need to dig deep, you you find, and for me, it's I moved to the other side of the world on my own. Yeah. And I've done all these things, and I've got through not one but two parents dying. You realise that you will be okay. And, yes. And I think one of the things I learnt recently is... Um, or not even learnt, but really like sunk into the understanding of is this word stoicism, to be stoic. Mm, I like that word. Yes. And you could say that. Not, well, I'm not, I'm not sure if I said stoicism right, but stoic is definitely right. So to be stoic is to have that reserve of being able to handle the hardship of life. And I think it was a TED talk that I was watching and it was about how we navigate fear. And one of the key ways to navigate fear and to navigate those moments in life where you feel like, have I actually got this though, is to apply stoicism and to be able to say, like, I can handle the winter, I can handle the cold. And one of the things, and I think this is why you resonate so much with David Goggins, and it's one of the things I think I first admired about you when I first met you, is that you physically put yourself into very uncomfortable positions quite often. And I used to never do that. I would emotionally put myself into quite uncomfortable positions and I do it a lot with my business. But what I saw you do was really push your physical body to limits. I'm one of these people that's like, I'm cold, I'm hot. I, I need to be just the right temperature. And I, could, I can be quite precious with how I physically, tangibly feel. Whereas you are much harder than me. And I think... because I'm northern. It's because you're northern. That's a, that's a valid I'm a point. Yorkshire That's an absolute <laughs> valid point. Uh, but I think that that also gives you this understanding of you just rock up and get the shit done. It doesn't matter if it hurts. You're going to be okay. It doesn't matter if you're cold. You'll warm up again. It doesn't matter if you're hot. You'll be able to cool down mm. again. If you're hungry, get over it. Food is coming. And I think I have tried over the last few months to push myself into that a little bit more and certainly kundalini yoga has really helped with that because kundalini yoga as we both know because we both practice it religiously is actually quite an uncomfortable experience a lot of the mm. time you have to hold postures for a really long time you do some very uncomfortable breathing and that for me has really helped this is the first summer i've ever gone ocean swimming and again that's because you dragged me in kicking and screaming because it's uncomfortable for me i don't actually like the feeling of water being do you on not my body. love that discomfort I am learning to embrace it. I don't know if I'll ever love it, but what I do love is the feeling that I get when I have overcome it. And I think that is what life is about. When you overcome something, when you go through and you will know what waves of grief feel like, obviously, you know, they crash over you. You don't see them coming. They're not necessarily timed with the anniversary of a parent's death or the birthday of a parent that's, or any loved one. Like grief comes and grief isn't just about death, right? It's like my boyfriend left me or mm. my wife walked out on me. Like grief is the absence of something that you truly loved. And when that comes, I heard... Um, what's her name? I heard Elizabeth Gilbert speak about it like this and I thought it was just so beautiful. She was like, when grief comes, you sink to your knees, you place your hands to the ground, you place your forehead between your hands and you bow in front of it and you let it take you. And I think that 
again like just brings up this feeling of like I have to be stoic in this situation I have to allow myself to embrace this uncomfortable feeling I have to allow myself to have this hard feeling because while I try and ignore it while I try and run away from it while I try and pretend like it's not happening while I only do things that make me feel comfortable I'll always live a really small and quite sheltered and frightened life so I don't feel like I have more stress in my 40s I actually probably do have more stress but I have such a reserve of resources to deal with it and now you can just navigate I just navigate it I roll with the punches when a wave comes I put my head down I bow in front of it I feel it I let it take me and then I find my feet on the floor again every time I find my feet back on the floor and you just build up those reference points and I figure the older I get the more of those reference points I'm going to have and to borrow your word that just means I'm going to get more and more courageous right like, I'm all right with that as an aging process. I'd rather my face didn't go fucking wrinkly in the same time. Botox. 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 I think on the physical aspect, I love to push my body to boundaries. And just because I'm fascinated with the human body and what it can actually do. And as we talk about Kundalini, and once you can navigate that breath it's just when you get to that other side you realize oh my god if I can literally hold my arms above my head and champ for an hour I can do anything because you might think that sounds easy but trust me it's horrific it really is isn't it but once you get through that and it's the same when you go in the ocean the first like hit with the cold, but once you put your head under, and Guru Singh talks about, you know, the currents on top of the ocean, but when you dive down, you find this beautiful stillness. And I do think, yeah, the human, it's, it's just a shell. And we've been given these beautiful, beautiful, healthy bodies. Short, but... <laughs> they are short. <laughs> Mine's very short. Yeah, we can just push through it. I would agree with that. But I do have a lesson on bowing on the floor that I also do that. But one day I had finished a meditation and I was just crying. So I bowed down on the floor and I thought, I'm just, I'm just going to cry. I'm really going to let everything out and cry. And I live in a beautiful old Art Deco building with wooden floorboards. And I could hear my neighbours downstairs having sex. immediately got up off the floor pulled myself together and went life's okay get on with it life is okay (laughs) that's so good all right I've got some questions for you I just need to find them would you like my glasses I am gonna go and get my eyes tested Uh, oh here we are all right maybe you could pretend to be me and then get them on my health front oh yeah that's not such a bad idea yeah um, let me try and speak with a northern accent. All right, love. No, that's not northern, is it? That's like... Hey, 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 lads. There we are. Perfect. My name's Rochelle Fisher. I'll have a cup of tea. Now, I think you went into a bit of a Birmingham accent. Oh, well, there we are. It's all the same. Honestly, <laughs> to us southerners, anything north of London, you're all the same. All right. All right. All right. Question one. It what? sounds like Priscilla Black when she does her... Silla Black. Silla Black. What did I call her? Priscilla. Silla Black when she did From her blind day. Question number one. Two number one. Who will she pick? 
Oh, I used to love Saturday nights and blind day. My friend was on blind day. No. Yes. Maybe we should get Izzy to talk one day about her blind day and she actually won. Did you win? Yeah. Yeah, you went on the date with a guy. I'm going to call Izzy. I'm going to get Izzy to help. I want to touch Izzy because she must have touched Scylla Black. She did. Therefore, by proxy, I will have touched Scylla Black. She's go. dead now. I only found that out recently. She died ages ago, but I was just really late to the news. I think probably because in Australia, no one really knows who Scylla Black is. No. So if you're listening to this and you're in Australia and you're like, what are these chicks talking about? Blind Date was... A, a Laura Laura fun. It was a Laura Laura fun hosted by the one and only Scylla Black. Please go and Google her so that you can see her face because you'll just understand everything about this woman the moment you see her smile. And she hosted this TV program where a chick or a guy would come out and then there'd be a screen, which you could almost hear, couldn't you, as it pulled itself back because <laughs> it was like such bad 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> like being pulled by a rope by some fat dude called Rob. <laughs> And then there'd be three guys on the other side of the screen sitting on stools and she had to ask them questions and depending on the answers to the questions, she would decide at the end who she would go out with on a date. And it was absolute quality viewing. All right, I have questions for you. Okay. Three of them, in fact. Number one, what is your favourite memory from the 1980s? Has to be roller skates and Madonna. Roller skates is interesting. One of our guests chose roller skates as their favourite thing. I remember, I, it must have been the late 80s. It was Christmas, it was thick of snow, and I got roller skates. And my brother and I had this joint present, which was a big music centre with a CD. <gasps> so we were always like the first people to have any electrical stuff because my dad was really into it. Like we had a video recorder before anyone else, but the remote control had a lead to those. Yes, <laughs> I remember our very first VCR and our remote control had yeah. a lead. And for ages it made no sense to me because you had to get up and change the channel on the telly. Yeah. But like you had this remote control that could sit with you on the sofa. Wait, you cool. So that year my brother got Pump Up The Jam. Pump Up The Jam! He got that album and I got Madonna Immaculate Collection with Ugh. my roller skates. Couldn't go outside because it's the north of England in the middle of the 80s. It, Christmas, thick of snow. So I had the Immaculate Collection on and I was roller skating up and down the living room and dining room because we had one that was open. Yeah. There were two separate rooms, but my parents decided to knock the walls through. That was very um, modern of them. You didn't oh, find that in, that, oh, in, in Jeff, the UK in the 80s. Jeff and Jane were very, very modern. They were the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. Were they? they were the Joneses. Keeping up with the Fishers. Yeah. There you go. Still are. <laughs> Wow. So, yeah, Roller Skates and Madonna. What's your favourite Madonna song? My favourite Madonna song? Be careful because I'm going to sing it to you every time I see you, so I'm about to ruin it for you. I would have to say, I'm not even going to say this right, the Spanish Na Ovita, the sun will play, the sun will set your eyes, and sing as your Spanish lullaby. They're the only songs I really And Holiday to. as well. Holiday. Holiday. What's been the biggest difference between turning 30 to turning 40? One, I live in a different country. So when I was 30, I was living in England. And now, obviously, I'm not. 
What's the biggest difference? But why, why is that different? I mean, other than gum trees and oak trees. Just my, com my lifestyle's different. Yeah, okay. Really different. I think the biggest thing again is, and I'll use this word, courage. Mm. Just the fact you'd probably say, not giving a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was turning 30 and someone at the hospital where I was working, she said, oh, it's great when you've turned 30, you stop really giving a shit about what people think. And I agree with that to a certain extent, but I think when you more or less turning 40, you actually, you've gone, you don't really care what other people think, but you, I don't know, I just, feel like I know myself more than I've ever known myself my entire life. Yeah, so I think when I was in my 30s, I was really practicing not caring what other people thought of me. But now I'm in my 40s, I care more about what I think of me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And number three, what has been your greatest life lesson to date? Greatest life lesson? Never take anything for granted love every single moment because it flashes in a blink of your eye. Yeah. So it's not good, it's not bad, it's just a moment and embrace it and enjoy it. Yeah. And just enjoy all the little things. Yeah. Even when you're angry and crying, just like you said, just lean into it. Yeah, like really just, be it. Just be it. If you're gonna be angry, oh, and no, I get angry. Just feel it with every Essence. Essence. Sure. Yeah. Well, oh, my greatest life lesson today. Oh, why don't we save these three questions for the last episode and then you can ask me in the very last one. Okay. Why? Because you need time to think about them. I need, so to, I need something really fucking profound to say. Yeah. So it sounds cooler than me. Yeah, basically. Yeah. How can I one up? Michelle? Your life lesson should just be the fact that you spoke to me at the yoga studio now I'm like the coolest person you, you know. spoke to me at the yoga studio <laughs> I bought you tea to the yoga studio yeah you did you were trying to bribe me with friendship <laughs> and I had to ask Dea who you were like, who is this chick because you sent me a message saying hi I saw you talk about the tea that you like of being out of stock I've left you some at the yoga studio and I was like that's really sweet of you thank you and then the next time I saw Dea I was like who's this Rochelle chick she was like, I've introduced you to her like three or four times. I was like, nah, I can recollect, recollect you at all. Now I can't get you out of my life. But thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Happy 40. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Unashamedly 40, a special short series briefly interrupting my Unashamedly Human podcast. If you've loved this episode, please share it with your mates, rate and review, and head to the show notes to get in touch. Thanks for listening.